Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session, wherever you might be listening, from cars to gyms to one suites where you wash your hair for four hours. Shout out to my girlfriend. Welcome to your weekly Gym Session. I'm looking forward to pumping this one out. I've got two super special guests to join me, one of them a famous journalist and media personality. Uh, the other one is a, is a journalist too, but more of a split personality. No, I'm kidding. He's an absolute legend as well. That would be Nick Amino. He'll join me later on the show. I'll get to the other guests first, but uh, I've got some tweets to get through, some opinions you can abuse me about, and uh, some things that will happen this weekend, my sure things. I uh, can't wait to throw that all into your ears, but first, let's find out what happened at the weekend. Yes, Jimmy! <laughs> The Blues could smell a rattan on Thursday night as Brett chucked his Saints-mobile in first geary before the opening bounce. Jaron slotted a goal as a defensive forward while the Man of Steel was becoming a real character in Marvel. Jack didn't need to be a thug to take care of Cripps as the Saints' Josh battled their way to a three-goal win. The main question for the Pies was Jeremy. How would they construct a win with no steel? The team were left with nothing but a sore side bottom as Essendon's ham couldn't be smoked and the team had the ball on a stringer. With a shield to protect the contest and a hooker to grab at loose balls, the Dons hit the Townsend with a 15-point win. Saturday featured a Simpson marathon, with Adam finally getting his team to put together consecutive episodes of decent quarters. For once it was hot and dry for the Eagles, and who would have thought the conditions best suited a waterman? A 34-point win over the bogey team makes fans believe they may have well and truly earned a corner. Gold Coast's horrific injury was hard to swallow. Raoul hit the mat with a busted shoulder, leaving the Cats as the only team par fit. A milestone game for Gaz and Joel was celebrated at their own fort. Darcy contributed well to the 37-point sun blocking. Once again, the ruse failed in English. Goldstein had more hitouts, but North went south with clearances. Bontempelli had a huge order of McDonald, but it wasn't enough to stop the dogs running through the hall. Aaron and his teammates will take all week to clean up the mess. 49 points was the final margin. Port forgot their McCluggage as Brisbane's midfield looked very nice indeed. Not even Houston could save power from their problems, with the Lions' 37-point win making them Lockie nearly flag favourites. We all thought it was Sarong that the USA were watching the Frio Crows game at a prime time in their homeland. We were brave sure it would be a stinker, and we were right. I guess that's Murphy's law. He had seven touches and kicked a point, while not even Hogan could be a hero. In a less than spectacular game, Rory lobbed a couple of goals to record a 20-point win for the Dockers. There was nothing more tigerish than a wounded tiger on Sunday Arvo, as Richmond had more injuries than wins at the weekend, which wasn't hard really. The Demons are still looking for that good win, as the heat turns up in their footballing hell. D-Day has passed. Richmond, five goal winners. And finally, there was a big, big sound in the final game of the round as GWS in their deboring footy was entertaining and clinical. Their mummy couldn't help them win clearances and hitouts, but he did kick a goal. While Perryman is the happy man, proving to be the underrated giant of the competition. GWS by 34 points. What a weekend, guys. What a weekend. 
The puns were terrible, but the footy wasn't. I actually really enjoyed this weekend. Um, round five was a good one. And uh, I'm going to enjoy the, the next part of the show too. Let's get straight to our special guest. Okay, I'm really excited about this chat. Our first guest today, he's seen it all in the world of footy, is one of the most respected and informed journalists in our country, has a 36-plus year track record as a senior football writer, commentator, boundary writer, award-winning feature writer, and digital media expert. He's now established his own website and brand in the form of Footyology and built a large following on social media with his hard-hitting opinions on sport, music, and politics. It's the one, the only, Rowan Connolly. Welcome, Rocco. Did I, did I miss anything there? Uh, oh, well, you're far too complimentary, I can say that, but uh, no, thanks for having me on, pleasure. No worries, mate. All right. What does the world of uh, lockdown COVID-19 look like for um, Rowan Connolly? What, what projects are you currently working on? Uh, well, it's pretty insular. I'm not getting out much. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, I have I have been really busy in a work sense. So like, it's probably disrupted my lifestyle a lot less than uh, most people, which is fortunate for me. Um, uh, you know, but just about everything I do is pretty much home based. Oh, look, I'm running the Footyology brand. Uh, the website's expanding, so that's involving a lot of work. Um, couple of podcasts a week uh, involved with that as well as producing a whole lot of written material um i'm doing a lot more video stuff um with various people um i'm uh what else am i doing uh i'm, I'm doing some freelance stuff for espn australia and australian community media um there's a couple of radio gigs on hold at the moment because of COVID, um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm busier than I've ever been, which uh, is probably in contrast to a lot of people. But it's probably at this time a nice spot to be in, so I feel very fortunate in that regard. Yeah, and you're also pretty active on Twitter as well. I can see these days. Is it just me, or uh, are people getting a lot more emotional and outraged these days? It looks like you're having a bit of fun there. Uh, well, I probably am. Uh, I probably, yeah, look, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for me, Twitter. I do enjoy it, but I do I do get a bit fired up, uh, probably particularly about politics, and that always causes a bit of angst. But, um, oh, look, you know, those are very testing times for everyone, and not just because of COVID either. I just think the, um, you know, the political climate in this country and across the world is as volatile as it's been in my my lifetime and um as i get older for whatever reason i seem to have become more political and a, a bit less tolerant of what i see as intolerance and um prejudice and bigotry and uh so i guess you know i know people use this tag as a pejorative but i guess i'm a bit of a social justice warrior um and uh yeah look the media is another area i i find myself getting very concerned with it's very narrow in scope in this country and i find the political agendas of various proprietors pretty hard to take um and i sort of feel like there's not enough blowback in the other direction from people with some sort of profile to be able to push that so um you know it's not a sort of deliberate contrived strategy but i just find i I get fired up about issues and i'll have my say about them and you know sometimes that uh causes a fair bit of abuse to come my way which is part of the territory on social media but i'm certainly not one of those people who are just going to ignore it when someone is gratuitously 
abusive and uh, almost always, of course, they're people without a name or a, a picture attached to their profile. So, I, you know, I sort of tend to call that out and um, rail against that. It's probably not good for my health, to be honest, but, uh, you know, I, I feel I've got a clear conscience about how I conduct myself anyway. Well, something that is good for your health is talking footy, and we all love that. Who was your biggest winner and loser from round five? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one, actually. There are a few sides that I think have really improved their position. Um, I possibly would have said Essendon, but that was until the uh, injury to Jake Stringer became mm. confirmed, and he's a, he's going to be a huge loss for them. But look, possibly um, GWS, I think. I mean, they sort of started very scratchily, but their last couple of wins have been pretty impressive um, and I thought particularly against Hawthorne you know they looked in great nick um, and very efficient with the ball too you know they didn't necessarily have a lot of inside 50 entries but uh, gee they were lethal the way they used them um, they've got some class players who are sort of back on the track and, and gradually getting back into form and you know they were grand finalists last year, so uh, I just think in terms of building their confidence and momentum, that win over Hawthorne was a pretty, pretty significant victory for them. Um, in terms of losers, uh, yeah, look, probably. Look, I think um, I think North Melbourne have been particularly disappointing given the start they got. Um, you know, they they had that that win in round one, and then. Um, you know, another one to back it up. And, and since then, um, they've I don't know what's happened there. I, I guess we're just seeing the limitations of their playing list and that effort on its own isn't enough. You need talent to back it up. And I thought West, Western Bulldogs really sort of exposed the lack of overall talent in their squad last um, Saturday night. Um, you know, look, they'll always give a decent contest the Roos, but I think we've sort of become more aware of their limitations after that performance. Mm. Well, also another team that, that made the headlines on the weekend have been talked about is, is Melbourne, and you've seen it all in, in footy, and they've probably been the most disappointing side, I think, in the last couple of years because of the expectations we had when they made the prelim. What, what is your view on, on what's wrong with Melbourne at the moment? Is it the coaching? Is it the list? Is it the... the the tactics. What, what's um, what's gone wrong? I found them. I find them really confounding, to be honest. Uh, it's hard not to think back to two thousand and eighteen. Um, I think the big difference is back then. You know, they won plenty of ball on the inside and, and used it particularly well on the outside. Um, and I don't think that's happened since. And you know, they've recruited. I mean, the likes of. Um, Ed Langdon and Adam Tomlinson, you know, was supposed to address that. And, and Langdon in particular, I think, has been reasonable for them. But there's just something something about the connection between their midfield and their forward setup. Um, and, yeah, they're really, uh, really struggling up forward. I mean, when you have to rely on, say, a, a medium-sized forward like Mitch Hannon to be, a, you know, leading the goal-kicking charge, um, they desperately need some key position players to stand up and this is where Sam Wiedemann's failure to come on for them I think has been a, a massive uh, a massive blow and you know they desperately need him to turn things around but yeah there's just some lack of connection I think between the midfield and the attack and that's really catching them out and um, yeah look I, I don't know if they'll be as bad as they were last year I mean that was just an absolute nightmare but um, it's not shaping up like they're about to redress 
uh, last year and, and head straight back into the finals either. So they've got a fair bit of thinking to do, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Something else I was interested in um, your thoughts on was Eddie Maguire's comments regarding Steel Side Bottom. Now, you know, obviously Eddie was pretty harsh on, on Geelong and the Jack Stephen uh, incident and also pretty critical of other other players who breach protocols. Were you surprised that he came out with his comments that, you know, the, the four-week ban was a little bit harsh and he tried to play down the incident? Was that surprising to you or expected? Uh, yeah, not surprising to me because Ed routinely these days contradicts himself. I mean, he, you know, look, I, I like Ed. I've got a bit of time for him, but he's sort of turned into a circus ringmaster rather than a, a commentator. He's terribly conflicted in the roles of a media performer and a club president, and that constantly gets him into trouble. Um, and I think a lot of the time now he just talks without necessarily thinking through what he's saying. And, you know, his strong comments about after that the first player was um, penalised for breaching the COVID regulations, you know, it was always going to come back to bite him on the bum, and it has. Um, so, yeah, I think people these days are starting to just roll their eyes a bit when it opens his mouth on anything. Um, so... Yeah, I can't say a lot more than that, really. But it, no, I, I wasn't overly surprised that he um, basically was proven to be hypocritical. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Now I'm um, I'm wary of the time. I know I've got you for a short time because you are a busy man. I just wanted to know your premiership, your Brownlow, and your Coleman predictions because uh, in the past of uh, you've been pretty much on the money from what I've seen. So, well, what are you thinking? We'll be back after a quick break. I mean, this season is just going to be harder to judge than any, I think. You know, abbreviated season. I think turnarounds in form can happen pretty quickly. The ladder will be tighter because there's fewer games. Um, You know, look, it might not look like at the moment, but I'm sticking with Richmond as Premier because, you know, I think uh, all hands on deck, and even that's not going to happen for a while. But... um, I think they've definitely got the talent. I think talent-wise and system-wise, they're the best team in it. So I'd stick with them for the flag. Um, Brownlow, yeah, I'm sort of thinking it's not a one out of the box, but I'm sort of thinking Lockie Neal from Brisbane. You know, it's just a very consistent ball winner in a side, a good side that's playing eye-catching football. Um, and, you know, he's he's got a proven track record, so the umpires know him and, Will always uh, he'll always be conspicuous to them. So he'd be my Brownlow tip. Um, Coleman Medal again, you know, a bit of a guessing game at this stage. Um, look, there was a view that key forwards were going to struggle more this year, or well, that was the trend early on. But I think we're seeing 
We're sort of seeing them fire up a bit now. I'm probably thinking Jeremy Cameron for GWS. I think they're going to be up there. I think they're going to kick plenty of decent scores. Um, I think he's definitely a focal point for them. So, yeah, I reckon he'd, he'd be my uh, Coleman medal tip at this stage. Yeah, nice. That's that's a good call, Roko. I'm a Richmond supporter, as you know, so your premiership pick is... Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear it. Um, <laughs> before I leave you, mate, um, we like to get to know our guests on the gym session on a more of a personal level and become acquainted with their you know particular interest and personality. Do you mind if we end with 10 quick questions about yourself? No, that's fine. All right, let's go for it. All right, Roko, what is your favourite food? Uh, roast lamb. What's your favourite band? Rage Against the Machine. Yep, no surprise there. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, good call. Uh, phone call or text? Uh, phone call. Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned, I like it. Maccas or Hungry Jacks? Well, this is weird because I, I have a lot more of the former, but I mm. think Hungry Jacks is superior. Yeah, I think it is too. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. What's your, what's your, go-to, <laughs> what's your go-to meal? Um, oh, I like the Whopper. Yeah, yeah the Whopper's pretty consistent, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, morning or night person? Uh, night. Night, yeah. Uh, favorite, I, th- I think that's a trend with journos. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah. yeah what, what having worked on morning newspapers means late days. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've lived my, most of my life like that, really. Yeah, your, your favorite movie? Uh, the Manchurian Candidate, the original version, um, starring Frank Sinatra and uh, Lawrence Harvey and Angela Lansbury, political thriller from 1962, I think. It's a ripper. I've never seen it. I love Frank Sinatra, though. I'll have to, I'll have, to have a watch. Oh, it's, no, it's definitely worth yeah. seeking out if you haven't. Yeah, no, I will. Your favourite footy commentator? Um, Anthony Hudson. Yeah, yeah, good call. And the last one. If you were forced to change your football team, who would you support? Oh, jeez. Um, well, I wouldn't. That's sacrilege. <laughs> yeah, but, of course. Uh, if my life depended on it. Yeah. I look probably North Melbourne. I've yeah. got a bit of a soft spot for the Roos. Yeah, that's that odd for an Yeah, look, I'm a bit beyond all those petty <laughs> team rivalry things. I like to think I've grown out of it. Yeah, yeah. But, and actually, I did have a last one. I lie. Your career highlight, what was that? Um, oh, oh, look, probably 1996, uh, I won the Football Writer of the Year award. We, I was working on the Sunday Age then. We had uh, we broke the two big merger stories that year about Hawthorne, Melbourne and North Melbourne and Fitzroy trying to merge. Uh, and I was working on a, the best paper I've ever worked on with the best staff and... Uh, yeah, very happy period in my career, that one. So, yeah, that would probably be it. Yeah, brilliant. All right, that was great, mate. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I admire you, and I um, really uh, respect all your opinions. So, for you coming on, it's a great pleasure for me. No, no, appreciate it, mate. No worries, mate. Good luck. I'll speak to you soon. All right, cheers, mate. See ya. Yes, what a man, Rowan Connolly. I love his work. He's someone uh, I've looked up to a lot. Um, He never shies away from his opinions, Uh, always happy to share them. He does his research like no one else. His Twitter feed is is bloody entertaining as well. Calls out a lot of people for uh, questionable comments, (laughs) which is great. And, uh, yeah, it's always entertaining. I love it. Um, Speaking of Twitter, uh, I had a few tweets and emails that were sent to me. Let's get them out of the way. So you can hashtag the gym session or... Uh, find me at Sabo James 
on uh, Twitter or even email me, james.zabo at sportsmatemobile.com. Like Frankie, the Pies fanatic is done. Here we go, Frankie. Hi, James. Three points to feature on the fastest growing podcast. And then I would like your expert opinion on this week are as follows. Thanks, Frankie. Uh, why hasn't Mason Cox been shipped back to the USA? Well, um, the players are exposed now more than ever to the media criticism and it is impossible to ignore it and certainly affects their on-field performances, especially when you play for the biggest and best club in the land. I'm assuming he means Collingwood. Has this always been the case? I look forward to listening in. Yours truly, sincerely as well, he put. Frankie the Pies fanatic. Oh, thanks, Frank. Uh, the, the Mason Cox thing first. Personally, I wouldn't have played Mason Cox on Friday night. I thought that was the wrong decision. I thought maybe a Josh Thomas or um, you know a small. It was a cold, wet day, middle of winter. It's a strange decision from Bucks to go with uh, Mason Cox. You know, if you're playing in Perth or in dry conditions, like or like yeah, you know, bloody September. When was it? 2018, where. He had his one and only good game against the Tigers. I can remember that vividly. Um, then you play him. If it's a rebounding side in wet conditions, I wouldn't play him. You know, his two touches on Friday were pathetic. Um, and he just needs to find a way to get into the game. I think, look, he does a lot, you know, for, for growing the game in the US. I think he, he's been great in... Um, in uh, in growing the game over there and uh, he's kind of a figure and like that cult hero kind of thing and he can get you over the line in certain certain games but I think he has been the most overrated player for a long long time um, I think he's a great bloke love him as a person but as a player I think he needs to do more uh, he needs to be more consistent really um, I, I think shipping him back to the US is a big call by Frank I think he's a frustrated pie supporter which I can I can imagine after after a loss like that on the media I'll get through this really quickly Frankie um, comments like that about sending him back to the US, maybe that uh, contributes to some of the problems and some of the uh, <laughs> the mental issues of uh, of footy players when comments like that fly around. Maybe you use as, as as an example. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I think you might have. I think, in, you know, in the Melbourne, Adelaide and, and Perth bubbles, I think there's always been that pressure for, for many, many years. I mean, it, it hasn't changed. Um, but it's nowhere close as to what it is today in terms of um, the amount um, of criticism and how available it is to players, uh, you know, you get Facebook, Twitter, news, videos. Players, you know, players say they open up their phone straight away after the game. Um, you know, some past players have said, you know, players would do it before they even go into their team meetings. So they're constant. They say they don't, they don't read newspapers. They do, um, and they're they're on social media. So it would be hard. And it's obviously leading to, you know, a heap of mental health issues. I mean, like, imagine if you're a teacher or a painter or a real estate agent and you get thousands of people commenting on your weekly performance every single week, no filter. You know, some people could deal with it, some people couldn't. But I think, I mean, it's different. Like, the life of a football is no surprise. You you, you enter into that industry and you know that, you know, um, you're going to cop that. And some people think they can deal with it before they get there. And obviously, when you're in that in that Melbourne bubble especially, or you're playing for a club like Collingwood with that they hold certain expectations and um, it's more, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's the the club culture is everything to them and, and it represents... I mean, you decide their, their week, don't you, as a, as a Collingwood player? Collingwood fans, of, uh, Richmond fans, anyone really, but especially a, a club as big and uh, as big as Collingwood and as successful as Collingwood, I think, yeah, they hold certain standards, especially the fans, and some players can deal with that pressure and some can't. Um, I think all, all players come into the AFL with a certain base of, of skills and talent, but it's the ones who can be mentally tough, I guess, that succeed and win premierships. Well, I mean, maybe not mentally tough, 
per se, but you know, strategic in their thinking, and they can deal with those pressures. It's a good question, Frankie. Thanks for your email. Uh, tweet at Cyber James from Nathan Weller. With the, he actually sent three. What a legend this week. I'll be quick with them. With the outs, uh, the likes of Cochin, Prestia, Lynch, Edwards, Hawley, and Nankervis, does that rule Richmond out of the Premiership race? No. No, it doesn't. 100% they're still in it. I mean, in 2017, there was a lack of personnel that, that led to Richmond developing a, a mosquito fleet type forward uh, forward line, and uh, that resulted in a in a premiership win. Last year, they, they lost Rance, Cochin, Dusty, Rewalt, Jaden Short, just to name a few, um, and other players stood up because of that. So, you know, I think heading off together will will lead to you know a development in chemistry. Maybe the likes of Marlon Pickett will get back into the side. Sydney Stack, Garthwaite, uh, no, Graham, Jack Graham, Jack Ross. Collier Dawkins. Bolter was great on the weekend as well. I think there's hidden talent there and you can only have that opportunity when injuries when injuries happen. And I know this is a shortened season, but I mean, thank God it's happened earlier for the Tigers' sake that they can um, develop those younger players. I think when you go on away trips, I mean, anyone who's played sport and you've gone on away trips um, with your mates, it's a kind of bond um, that you develop. And I think they're away for a certain amount of time. And uh, it might be it might be a, a better way in um, getting them that that chemistry faster because I know chemistry has been a problem with the with the type of um, training that's been going on. Uh, thanks, Nathan. Your next one was: What are your thoughts of Collingwood and Eddie Maguire's handling of Jordan Dugowie's situation? Did they make a strong enough stance or trying to sweep it under the carpet? Um, I don't think Eddie said too much on the Jordan Dugowie situation. I don't know if I missed something, but I know they sent out that um, that statement. Um, I've actually, yeah, I've got it. I'll get it up here. All right. Uh, yeah, so Collingwood player Jordan Dugowie was today charged with one count of indecent assault relating to an historical incident in 2015. Right, first off, writing a historical incident, I um, I thought that was a bit rich. Uh, 2015, they're trying to make it look like, yeah, it was a long time ago, but fair enough. Um, at Collingwood's insistence and with full cooperation from Dugowie, the matter was investigated by the AFL Integrity Unit in 2018. So they've got to say there that Collingwood insisted for them to um, to investigate and with full, full in co- um, cooperation. So they're making it seem like everything's above board. We wanted this to get being investigated. Um, obviously, Dugowie is having no further comment and Collingwood isn't as well, but he's uh, he'll be able to rejoin Collingwood after he clears two COVID-19 tests. So because he's been to the police station and whatnot, um, he has to be in isolation. He hasn't, um, he's broken protocol or whatever it is. Um, I don't think they've swept that under the carpet, but uh, I guess the issue is, um, should you, should he play? And I guess basically, like if you're in the NFL and you damage the brand, you don't play in America. That's simple as that. Although in the NRL, they adopted this um, no fault stand down policy where players who were charged with a crime holding a maximum prison sentence of greater than 10 years are not able to com- compete at all. They're not allowed to play until the case is finished. Now, if the guy was playing in the NRL, he would be allowed to play because his. Uh, his charges are below that threshold, so he would be allowed to play. Now, the AFL don't have one in place, but they've said he can play at the moment. I mean, Jared Waitley has agreed, Nick Rewat has agreed, Jonathan Brown has agreed. I agree with that. I think he should be allowed to play because, you know, what happens if the case... I'm not taking anything away from the severity of that case. <laughs> the charges are, are severe, and, and if he is proven guilty, it's a horrible thing to have done, but you know, he's got the right to, you know, be innocent until proven guilty. So what happens if he doesn't play for the next 12 to 18 months, which is how long a case like this could take, and then he's not guilty? 
I mean, I don't think that's fair. I'd, uh, Eddie's comments on that, I spoke, we obviously spoke with Roko about um, his comments on the steel side bottom thing. Look, it, it's typical Eddie. Um, I think he's always going to back his boys up. He's a club president that, um, I mean, you'd always want a club president like that, backing your boys up through thick and thin. He can say whatever he wants behind closed doors. He could have a go at all the players. But, you know, in front of the uh, in front of the cameras and, and um in front of the media, and he is part of the media, which makes it hard. He's always going to back up his boys. It's like you know, it reminds me of like you know when you have a big family, and like when you say your cousin does something wrong, and you've got um you know you've got your your mum in the back. Oh, Aunt Cheryl, she's going to be so disgusted. That is the worst thing he could have done. And and you know like she just goes off at how bad it is. Then if if your own kid does something in front of the other parents, you're going to ah oh, you know boys will be boys. It's okay. It's not too bad. It's, it's always that biased view. That's that's exactly what it is like for Eddie. But it's typical, and it's yeah, it's not surprising at all. Uh, the last tweet: Will Matthew Nix be coaching Adelaide next season? If so, what changes would you make to the club to turn it around? Because they are in a shambles at the moment. Nath, I agree with you. Um, it is a shambles. It's a horrible place to be, Adelaide. It's a it's a horrible club to support at the moment. Yes, you'll be coaching. There's no doubt he'll be coaching next year. I would say that because it's not him. I mean, he's got to fix this culture. It's the culture issue that is the major problem, and he knows that walking in. I don't think you could ever change it five games in with what happened. And that story Sam McClure broke um, about the camp, despite what everyone said, despite the, the backlash, that's not relevant, happened two years ago. You're just trying to flog a dead horse. Crows are copping it for no reason. No, that's not right, because it, it is relevant. Of course it's relevant. They're sitting dead last, uh, and their worst ever finish, possibly. The worst ever they finished was 14th. They're sitting dead last. It is relevant, because what happened in that camp in 2018 has affected them today. So that story was, was very eye-opening, and um, what they need to do, turn it around is the culture there, and they need the leaders to set the standard. Um, so... Obviously, the first thing was now that Sloan is captain, I think it's a better move than Tex. I don't know what the specific reason was for that, but Tex didn't seem... He was a leader when all those things happened and those issues happened. He didn't seem to have the players' respect. From the outside, that's what it looked like. Um, I wanted to bring up some points from that story because if you haven't read it, read it. But it went into what happened at the camp. And so just little things here. Crows players were split into three groups prior to heading into the camp with the, with the most senior group subjected to the most intensive experiences, right? The senior group were met by men wearing army, um, army clothes and holding fake automatic weapons before being blindfolded, right? Um, Tom Lynch collapsed during the, an exercise. He was told to get up by the camp leader. He was, uh, he was later vomiting and bedridden. Lynch was only attended to after teammates demanded that the doctor come in and, and have a look at him. Um, they did sprints with Richmond song blaring. They had an activity where they were taken into the woods and they had to um, get out of a harness um, that was tied to a tree, escape the harness. They'd have to crawl through um, towards a combat knife roughly 10 metres away so they cut themselves loose. And um, players would throw abuse at them, personal abuse. You know, episodes of child trauma, domestic abuse were brought up, which, um, you know, it obviously, it, it was leaked. It was leaked by the staff um, <laughs> who they confided in. And, mate, it just sounds like a Saw movie. Like, it's just ridiculous what they went through. And um, I don't think it will be sacked because, you know, um, so I think it's the mindset that needs to change more than anything else. But, yeah, the, oh, mate, the Crows are in, in a horrible, horrible spot. 
All right, it's time for some Hawk Talk with my good mate and co-editor at Sportsmate. He's a journalist during the week, but uh, one-eyed Hawthorne fanatic on the weekends. He is the Gym Sessions' very own brown and gold correspondent. Welcome, Nick Guglielmino. How are you, my friend? Good, thanks, Jimbo. Great to be back on, as always. Look, I've been part of your work, so... It's always good. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. I am very excited to chat to you. We don't get to chat as often. It's just, uh, I miss it. I miss I miss the biased comments. Um, <laughs> Nico, are the, are, the, are the wheels falling off at Hawthorne? What, what's happened? Oh, the wheels falling off. First loss in a few weeks, Jimbo. But no, uh, definitely not. Is it a coincidence that you always call me after the Hawthorne <laughs> loss? We won three times this year, and the only two times you wanted to call me is when we've lost. But no, three and two after the start we've had, mate, is fine. We've already played Brisbane, Geelong, Richmond, GWS and North. So, and, and it was always going to be tough um, going up to Sydney as well after, after they uh, flew up that morning as well. So it was always going to be hard, but um, I'll take the start we've had. Yeah, well, as you know, Nico, I like to have a winner and a loser on the podcast. I speak to them. I already spoke to Roland Connolly, so you are um, the second man here. And he he got, he barracks for Essendon, so he was the winner. And yep, he's, he's a winner enough. in life, really. And yeah, yeah, unfortunately, you're the loser this week, so um, well, you're coming sure up second. Well, you call me again after we beat Collingwood on Friday. There you night, go. Okay? That, that's the confidence I like from you. But I wanted <laughs> I wanted to know the fans' perspective on, on that loss to GWS. What's what's the Facebook group's been saying? And then what's the family been saying after that one? You'd be pretty pissed off, I reckon. Yeah, it's it's all frustration at the moment, James. Um, after that game, because, look, I, I've seen worst games played because we, we played okay the pressure was all right we got the ball inside 50 enough times yeah. but the, the frustrating thing was just that the forward line looks dis- dysfunctional obviously missed luke bruce up there uh the hawks missed easy shots on goal and gws just made us pay and our, our two key tools um all season just haven't clicked and uh you see the the difference it makes when you throw ben mcavoy up there for a bit he kicks two goals straight away Gunston kicked a few nice goals as well. So, but the likes of O'Brien, Lewis, and Patton, who didn't play on the weekend, but um, they, they, they've just got to find their feet at the moment. That's the most frustrating thing, mm, mate. It was unbelievable stats, like you mentioned. The, the inside fifties were there, but the inside fifties yeah. for GWS, they didn't have as many, but they were incredibly accurate. They had twenty six inside fifties and had eighteen <sighs> shots. They kicked thirteen five, mate. I can imagine how you would be on the. Where did you watch it? And how oh. many how many walls did you punch? Oh mate, I almost I almost threw the remote into the TV screen. I I want I want the AFL to pay for the glasses, my glasses that I broke during the match as well, because some of those umpiring calls don't get oh, me started mate. on them, mate. My glasses will never be the same. I need a new pair. They owe me $200, the AFL. I, I tell not you, happy. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to ask you about the umpiring in a second. But first, let's just cover off this game. Ben McAvoy, he was forced back into the ruck. Um, he couldn't yep. really match it with Harry Himmelberg. He just ran him off his feet. He was just too quick for him. Um, where do you where do you want to see him play for the rest of the season? Now, Clarko, obviously the plan is chuck him down back. He's a big mark. He can read the play well. Um, yeah and uh, don't have him in the ruck as much. But it looks like you'll probably need him back in there. Where do you want to see him play? Oh, definitely. Definitely in the ruck and rest forward. That, that's where he's always played. That's his best position. Um, it was obviously an experiment to throw him into fence, but he got found out in that first quarter against GWS a bit. I mean, um, 
Harry Himmelberg just ran rings around him like that goal he kicked. I think it was the first or second goal of the game. Literally just ran around McAvoy. But um, I, I think we might just be a tad too tall back there sometimes. It work, It does work some weeks depending on the opponent. But um, you, you, look, I, I like seeing him in the ruck. That's where he's most effective. And also... Um, the contested market around the ground because as, as soon as he... Well, we struggled there. Mitch Lewis and O'Brien didn't make an impact around the ground with their marking ability. Um, but as soon as McAvoy got thrown into the forward line and back into the ruck, he just he just lifted the whole group. So I definitely like to see him um, around the ground a bit more. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. Put him back in the ruck, mate. He's not a defender. Um, your thoughts on hub life, mate. So the Haw- Hawks, um, you know them better than anyone, I feel. Um, teams like Port Adelaide, uh, they're the young young team. They're obviously going to be more enthusiastic about away trips and that sort of thing, enjoy themselves, embrace the um, the changes. Then you've got the older group like West Coast or Richmond who have young families and might, mightn't adapt as well and might, uh-huh. might struggle being away. How do you find, looking at that group, the Hawthorne group, how do you think they are going to... Uh, embrace that that hub lifestyle, and do you think it'll affect them in, in a positive or negative way? Um, look, I, I think it's hard for every team to be honest because everyone's in the same boat. It, it, there's going to be plays in every team that have young families and whatnot. Um, so to move into state is for a long period of time is always going to be tough. But from what I've seen so far, I think they have embraced it. I think an, an article came out about O'Meara. He obviously doesn't have a young family, but he seems happy about going into the hub life. And as a supporter, that's what you like to see. Um, you want them to be happy about going there because you, you you want the game to continue. You want the competition to keep running and you want the AFL to stay on its feet. So it, it's good to see um, when some players embrace it and just look up for the challenge. And that's... From what I've seen so far, I haven't seen anything negative from the Hawthorne group, um, which is good. So we'll just see how it goes. But, yeah, I can't really complain about it. You just have to do what you have to do during these times. That's right. You do have to do what you have to do, and they have to beat the Pies this week for you to be happy and the uh, and the fans to be happy. How's the confidence going to that one? And then you've got Melbourne as well, so that's that's a gimme yeah. game. But what about yep. the Pies? Well, it's, an, it's another tough one against Collingwood, so that makes it... Five out of last year's top six that we've played already this season. But oh, it's, yeah, here's the, the hard fixture the coming up, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it, we've got a good record against Collingwood, so um, it's always tough. They're coming off two losses, so they're going to want to um, bounce back strongly. Obviously, they'll be without side bottom and maybe Dugowie. I'm not sure what the situation is mm. there, but um, again, like I think we can play good football. It's just a matter of that forward line clicking and um, I assume Patton will come back so hopefully they can click and hopefully we can get the four points so I, I am relatively confident I think we would have learnt a lot from that loss to GWS yeah what's the what's the tip give me a margin then oh, it'll be close uh, I'll say 12 points 12 two points. goals there you go hot tip of the week from Nico <laughs> Nico, you, you mentioned the state of the game before and the umpires, which you're not happy with. So, look, like yeah. last week after the gospel, according to Alistair, was preached, um, the state of the game opinions went wild, especially from you. You were at the forefront of that, mate, tweeting. You tweeted more than Donald Trump during a protest, mate. Yeah, you were absolutely vocal, You were very vocal. <laughs> I think we disagree on this, right? I disagree on the fact that I don't think the game is in as bad a state as people are saying. I think the holding the ball 
decision. It needs to be interpreted well. It hasn't been interpreted well by the umpires. I agree with that. But blaming the state of the game on the umpires is not something I'm a fan of. Um, We obviously uh, agree to disagree on this. What was your opinion on the interpretation of holding the ball this week? It went up 50%, Nico. Same amount of tackles, but 50% more holding the balls after Clarko's comments. What's your opinion on the state of the game and the holding the ball interpretation this week? Um, Well, firstly, I think... They the umpires what they implemented this week was a lot different to what Clarkson was saying because what I interpreted from the Clarkson interview last week was that he was focusing more on um, incorrect disposal. So if you get tackled, you drop the ball without handballing or kicking, it's holding the ball. Mm-hmm. And now the, the the holding the balls that they were paying this week was the pro- whole prior opportunity. So if you get caught with the ball and you don't look like you're making yeah. an effort to get rid of it. It's holding the ball. And some of them were very harsh. Yeah. And there was a couple in that Richmond-Melbourne game that I was watching as well that were just very harsh. And then th- there was some other times where players would drop the ball completely and it still wouldn't be paid. So I'm not sure. I, I think the state of the game is fine, but it's just the whole interpretation around holding the ball. that just They need to get right. It shouldn't be hard because... Us growing up watching footy, we know what holding the ball should be. I don't know why it's so hard for them to not pinpoint what holding the ball actually is. You know, if you drop the ball in a tackle um, and you've had a couple of seconds to get rid of it beforehand, it's it's gone. It's ball. Hmm. I, I don't get what's so hard about that. And it, it's frustrating to watch games and see them get that wrong because it should be one of the easiest calls to make at the moment. Mm. I really they, they're just overcomplicating it completely. So I'm in the same boat as Clarkson. I, oh, that's I a surprise. Agree with. Well, <laughs> you can call me biased. You can say, of course, I'm going to agree with him. But he makes a good point. We don't need to bring in any new rules to change the game to make it look exciting. We just need to um, stick to the rules we got but implement them properly. Mm. Oh, we can agree on that. I think I can agree on that. I think, yeah, you're spot on, mate. I mean, they, the ones they called on the weekend were just frustrating. I mean, they missed the obvious they ones, and they paid they paid the ones that shouldn't have been there. It was uh, no, it was horrible. But I think the I think the fact that it was Geelong and Melbourne last week, and it was that was more that was not the umpiring. That was more uh, Chris Scott identifying that. He knows how Melbourne like to play. They like to play fast, ballistic footy, and he wanted to keep the ball off them and play possession. So he won the game that way. That wasn't anything to do with the state of the game at the moment. That's the coaches. That's on the coaches. I thought the skill level was horrible in the Hawthorne game with North Melbourne. And, yeah, there were holding the ball decisions that could have been paid. But I thought the fact that we ended with two crap games made everyone lose their mind a little bit more. That was was just my opinion. It did, it did. Hmm, what do you know? We agreed for once. That was good, Nick. Um, <laughs> yeah, as you know, you've, you've listened to the show before, haven't you? Yes. So you'll know that. James. That's good, mate. So you'll know that, that I end a lot of the time with, with questions about the guests and get to know them. Now, yeah. I didn't... So you have been listening. So do you remember last week when Matt, what Matt DeBoer said for the place, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, yes. What was yes. it? He said, um, he said something really strange, not, not the most yeah. common answer. A lot of his um, answers were a bit odd. 
Um, it was quite entertaining to listen to. I can't quite remember what it, it was. was well, you, if you didn't listen, you're a very good actor because I've li- I, I I doubted you for a second. I didn't think you listened, but you did. I'm I'm proud of you. He said Hogwarts. No, I'm, he I'm said serious. Hogwarts. I'm he said- serious. I did listen to it. <laughs> he said Hogwarts. Hogwarts, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah. Stu- I knew it was something stupid. Yeah, Rowan Connolly, yeah. I did it with him earlier, and uh, his answers were very good as well. I, I didn't want you to miss out, obviously. I might do a proper one with you next week. I just thought I'd give you a question without notice, because I know you, you don't like missing out. But um, if you, I asked this one to Rowan. If you had to support any other team in the AFL, who would it be? Just say you had to. I know you would never change from yeah. Hawthorne. We all know that. If you had to pick a team, who would it be? Um, well, about 90% of my family are Hawthorne supporters and the other 10% are Carlton. So I'd probably yeah. be on their bandwagon yeah. and go for the Blues. Oh, the Blue Baggers. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. I grew up, I kind of liked West Coast as well during the Judd Kerr and Cousins era. I remember that. So they're always fun to watch, mm. so I've got a soft spot for them. But probably Carlton just because the whole family thing. Yeah, that's good. And where will, where will the Blues finish? Are they making finals? No, no, unfortunately not. No, that's a fair call. That's a fair call. Yeah. Brilliant, Nico. I really appreciate appreciate you coming on, mate. It's always uh, very nice to have a chat to you, and um, I'm sure we'll have a chat in uh, in the coming weeks. I'll make sure I'll call you next time when the Hawks win, so you're a bit more upbeat. <laughs> that's good. I look forward to it, James. Thanks for having me on. No worries, mate. Thanks for joining me. See you, bud. Take care. Bye. All right. I want to talk about the Saints. Right, and the Saints. And now I I loved watching them play. Um, that scent, you know, the scent of contenders starting to waft into the air. Now, I know, not yet, not yet, I understand that, before everyone starts jumping on and saying, it's too soon. Yeah, I know, it's a little bit soon. But they have beaten Richmond. They smashed the Doggies by seven goals. They lost to North by two, but really, they, they really shouldn't have. They dominated the first half, should have won that. Ratton identified what, you know, Carlton's strengths were. He implemented a strategy and he executed it. Now, I know this, all coaches do this during the week and they study their opponents, but the way Ratton's been able to do it is, is extremely impressive. Now, he sent Geary to Doherty at the start of the game, played a defensive forward role on him, and, and stopped him from having an impact. And, and Geary kicked two goals of his own. But Doherty's impact against Essendon was basically what won Carlton the game, and he identified that. Um, obviously, Jack Steele to Cripps. First half, he, he, he won the battle. Second half, of the uh, second half probably went to Cripps, but he identified what they had to do to win that game. Also, you know, they're a fast-running team, looking for the handball, looking to change angles in board. They want to keep it out of the air as much as possible to a contest. Obviously, Carlton are a, a taller team. And even when they, they move it forward inside their forward line, they're looking for um, targets close to goals, so that 20-metre arc outside the goals, so the accuracy improves, and it has improved over you know, the last month or so, the last month of footy. So you can see that all these things are, are coming to fruition and all, everything that's been implemented is working. So you can only be impressed by the Saints. Uh, Ron Marshall, he will be the best ruckman in the league with Grundy, um, if he's not already, in my opinion, in a couple of years. It's just them two. I mean, he takes over Gorn for me. Um, just his influence, what he can do. He, he, he can play up forward, he can play in the ruck, and he can um, do things to inspire his teammates around him which you've seen it's evident uh, i think all recruits from st kilda have brought something to that side you know you've got your zach jones is that hard-nosed mid uh, he inspires the boys around him can't stop getting the ball you've got butler the run the dash he's reading of the plays brilliant and he brings that kind of you know mosquito fleet forward structure that that was at richmond where he learned that style uh, you've got hill that you know obviously goes without saying he's got incredible work rate and um his delivery 
he's fantastic. Paddy Ryder, while he's out of the side at the moment, there's no doubt he's had an influence on Marshall um, and in training. You've got Dougal Howard there. He's very strong and reliable in the back. And then you've got the likes of, you know, Long. I mean, Long played, in, and at Mark was fantastic as well. But his confidence, his confidence has just skyrocketed. You've got Caulfield as well. He took nine marks. He had 20 disposals. I think he went at about 90% as well. You know, they've got Fremantle and Adelaide coming up next. So that's a win-win. Something would, would have to change, change drastically if they lost those games. So they're, they're already sitting in fourth. I mean, I think it's time now the Saints can start to get excited. Um, that's not an overreaction for me. That is, that is dead set. The Saints can get excited. You can lock up a finals spot in the next couple of weeks, Saints. So start to get excited. All right, next on the agenda, I want to talk about the Lions. And if it's not Richmond... Lions are my next pick for the flag. Now, I, I love the way they're playing and all this talk of the games in a, in a, in a shocking state and it's boring and, um, you know, you can't watch it and too much congestion. I love the way the Lions are playing. Fantastic. Fantastic. And even last year, they, they're inspiring. Like, we all got on board because this is the underdog team and they're starting to win and, and we enjoyed watching them then. But they, they were, last year, they used the corridor 12% of the time which was the, the lowest rank in the AFL. So they were, more, they were careful with their, with their possession. They didn't want to lose it. They didn't want to get caught on the turnover. They were careful and cautious moving forward. This year, they're using it 22.5% of the time, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's the second most in the league. So they're taking those risks more. They're going in board. They're playing a, a faster, more entertaining style of footy. Now, the Brisbane, the Brisbane brand, the Brisbane team has already won the hearts of a lot of people and their supporters are getting around them. And the passion you hear now, I mean, you listen to talk back, Brisbane Fitzroy uh, supporters are calling in and how much they're uh, loving the way their team's playing. And they've got arguably their best, you know, their best midfielder. They've got the best midfielder and best backman in the league, in my opinion. Lockie Neal, Harris Andrews, and, you know, even Hugh McCluggage, you could say, is almost at that elite level. Um, and if mate, if Harris Andrews doesn't get voted best on ground for his performance on the weekend, I mean I know he won't get he probably won't get three votes because they don't look at the backman. But he he played a significant role on the informed Charlie Dixon, who went goalless and they had nine contests between the pair. He kicked six goals last week and it was absolutely dominant. But for Harris Andrews to play that role on him was was incredibly incredibly crucial. And uh, I like the Lions. I'm all about them. I'm all about them. I'd put them, at the moment, when you look on form, you spread it out. Okay, Collingwood, they're missing Howe. They're missing Grundy. Um, they're missing Grundy, my God. Can you imagine if they miss Grundy? They're missing Howe. They're missing side bottom. And um, at the moment, the off-field stuff could impact them internally. There's question marks there. They head to the hub. It's an unknown. Richmond, heap of injuries. You expect them to get back. They're going to the hub. It's very unknown. They've got Basher Hawley and, and Edwards staying home. So... It's it's a it's not certain. Port Adelaide, we saw they didn't really play top opposition. They played the Eagles, but the Eagles weren't in great form when they played them, um, and they still look. I can't trust them yet. Brisbane, I can trust. Brisbane is the team I trust the most at the moment. So, I'm I'm very bullish about the Lions, and I mentioned Basher and I mentioned Edwards just before. I wanted to end off with saying this. I mean. People complaining about players not going into hubs, right? You just on the weekend the oh the abuse that they get. You bunch of flogs, overpaid softies. I wouldn't mind a trip to Noosa. You know they're just. I think they're missing the point because I think, I mean I'll admit when I first heard that that the Tigers the Tigers players weren't going to the hubs, a few had opted out, and other players may opt out as well. My first immediate thought was the same as the 
Durant Berridans and uh, and BTs, who said, well, they don't like it. And I didn't like it. I thought, look, you're either all in or you're not. You kind of, if you all are devoted, like, would, would the Richmond players have gone if they hadn't won premierships in the past? How much do they actually want this? You know, that was going through my mind at the time, right? Should they go? I mean, um, it depends what reason they stay, obviously. But after listening to Hawley and kind of um, thinking about it a bit more and um, taking a breath, I guess, look, there's different situations and ideas of what it means to be a good husband and a family man, I think. Now, their idea is for uh, to be a good husband and a family man is to stay at home. Um, Bash has just had a, uh, a newborn um, boy and he wants to stay with his wife and um, support her. And Edwards' um, partner is due very very soon so he wants to be there for the birth and be the best family man that he can possibly be now that's the values they hold strongly and richmond have always said we're going to support our players with whatever values they hold strong to them we're going to be supportive of different circumstances and situations that's exactly what they've done okay um so i'm accepting of this and i think a lot of people are as well um, but then you get the you know you get the comments. I mean, if, you know, people are coming on and, and and saying that you know to be a man you go out there and you um you earn you earn your dollars for your family. You kind of uh, make a legacy that you know your family can be proud of and that sort of thing. I think it just depends on a personal level. I'm not too I'm not upset about it. Would I prefer that they went? Hundred percent, I would. But good on them for supporting their family. Family comes first, no matter what. It just I think it's up to you personally on what it means to be a good family man and and uh, what the cer- certain circumstance is. All right, guys, to uh, to finish off with this podcast, it's been an interesting one, and it's been an enjoyable one for me. I've got Zabo's sure things to end off with. Three things that I think will happen are the certainties this weekend, right? All right, first one. Holding the ball decisions will be pegged back a touch. So I think we'll see at least a 30% decrease in holding the ball call. So <laughs> I mean, I think that's an obvious one. Second thing, the Ruse will build up their rivalry with Essendon on social media to be bigger than Israel and Palestine. I mean, am, am I the only one that didn't know how big this rivalry was for the Ruse? Like, they hate Essendon more than anything. I mean, until I got onto Twitter a few years back when I was in uni, I did, had no idea that the Ruse hated them that much. I mean, it's like, Essendon don't even care about the rivalry, but the Ruse just, um, the Ruse hate it, and they'll build it up, no doubt, and they'll be looking for a bounce back. But you watch the build-up of this one. They hate each other, these teams. Well, North hate Essendon, really. Um, third thing, third and last, Eddie Maguire will make more hypocritical comments while on commentary duties. I mean, it's a given thing. As I said, look, I don't, I don't hate Eddie. It's pretty obvious. I think he's in a difficult position because he is a media personality. But at the same time, Nobody tells him that he has to have a go at other teams like he did to Geelong and have a go at other players like he did with the other players who broke protocols because they're going to come back, like Rowan Connolly said, it's going to come back and bite him on the backside because um, that's just the... I mean, he wants to get the headlines. That's what you've got to run with, I guess. So, Eddie, I'm expecting more comments from you this weekend. All right, that's all for this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I uh, can't thank you enough for the support I've been getting and uh, everyone who's contributed to the show. I hope you can continue to do that. Hashtag the gym session. You can email me. um, You can talk to me on Twitter. You can message any of the footy live social media platforms and I will be all over it. Um, I hope your team wins this weekend unless you're playing Richmond. Um, Until next time, take care of yourselves.